We are so glad that all of you are here. We are having fun. Um, so we thought, why not go ahead and get started? Let everybody in on the action. <laughs> Daniel Sanders, Zach Edson, Ryan Gotro, and Kurt Campbell. That's who's here with you today. Special guest, Kurt Campbell, I should say. Thank, thanks for being here, yeah, Kurt. Yeah, I'm glad to yeah, be here. Definitely. Thanks for having me. We're going to get into uh, some cool stuff that he is affiliated with here in a few minutes. But uh, we are glad that you have made your way back to GPS to God. Rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend. Tell somebody that's not a friend, and you'll make a new friend. But uh, tell somebody, and we want to hear from you, podcast at parkwaybc.net. Amanda Mundy, the last episode, she sent me a text or something and said, hey, it was great. Sent some comments in, and she said, but you forgot to give out the uh, email address. I had to go find another episode. and find." I was like, I don't believe that. I'm going to dispute that. <laughs> I went back and sent her, hey, go back and check it out at <laughs> yeah. this time right here. Right. <laughs> But uh, podcast at parkwaybc.net. If you didn't hear it the first time, Amanda, make sure uh, you reach out to us. We will respond. We might talk about you on air if you say something silly. Uh, Instagram, you can find us there as well. GPS to God, throw it in the search bar, and uh, our cool logo will pop up. We try and put some cool pictures up up there. You might not think they're cool, but, hey, it's as cool as we can get. So, yep. Uh, doing the best you can. Doing the best we can, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Simply Polyco, make sure you check them out. Get some good um, uh, stuff. I say stuff because... They do a little bit of everything. Anything and everything. You yeah. can get it. These cool tumblers we have, we love them. Uh, they are on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They're working on a website, so I hear. But uh, don't look for that yet because it's not there. <laughs> but uh, Simply Polyco <laughs> on Facebook and Instagram. These tumblers are great. They hold ice all day long. Ryan uses it for self-defense, even though he yep. lives in a nice neighborhood. I've been there. <laughs> good, good. As long as you got a good throwing arm, boom. Well, strike two out. for Ryan. So, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I couldn't believe you said that—a defense mechanism out of a tumbler. Hey, you, whatever's in your hand, you got to go with it. Come on. Yeah, he lives in the least dangerous place. Everything in is the a state. weapon <laughs> in my book. Everything. But anyway. Simply Polyco, check them out. They'll make you anything you want. We have with us Mr. Kirk Campbell. He's the program director for Men of Valor. We're going to get into all of that here in just a second. But first, Kurt, we're throwing you in the deep end here. We, here we need go. you to settle a debate for us. All right. Uh-oh. Stefano, who is a, a normal host, he's not here tonight. His it's... wife, we had a contest of of name the fans, like our collective fan group. Should they have a name? Right. Fano's wife sent in one of the suggestions. It's one of the top okay. suggestions. Yep. We're giving away a gift card for the winner, wow. whoever we choose. All right. I said she was ineligible because she was a family member mm-hmm. of a host. Right. And Stefano likely gave it to her. So, uh, okay. Right? No. <laughs> oh, okay. No. no he, he, he gives her credit. Okay. All right. he, he would say she is more, um, uh, what's the right, creative than he is. Okay, Definitely more creative. All yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Should she be eligible for said gift card? If if we have, I, I will say, most of the feedback we have gotten of the four or five names, yeah. hers is the most popular okay. with the with the fans. So yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If the fans are voting, I think it's a legit in. So that's we told her point. we could pick her name and give her the credit. Yeah, but she wouldn't get the gift card. You're saying it's all oh, or nothing. I say give her the gift card. That's I tough. hate that for myself, but uh, oh, for sure. <laughs> now, if you guys were the deciding vote, I wouldn't say that. But if the fans are voting, free she, game, yeah, oh free game. Great. Well, see, Zach, Zach got thrown in. He, I mean, he got volunteered by someone else to pony up half this gift card, uh, so he kind of lost too. I lost. That's he kinda, funny. He kind of lost. That hurts me. It hurts but, uh, me. No, there, if it's a good name, that'll be worth it. There, there we go. It's the you're not it, telling what it is yet. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so fill it uh, in. Um, I forgot there for a second. Went blank. But gypsies. Hmm. But because she played the off the name the of GPS, GPS, and she spelled it G P S I E S. That's okay. how she spelled. Gypsy. That's cool. I like so, that. Kind yeah. of the it's creative. The, the wandering. It ties into the name. Like you know, looking yeah. for a path, always searching yeah. that kind of stuff. So. Well done, Stefano's wife. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> I think you should double the gift card value. Oh snap! <laughs> Here we go. I really do. Well, so 
We can do. I think the Mondays can make up that difference. Yeah, there, there we go. go. There, I was you just, you just thought it was going to be straight up you, huh? Yeah, I did. If I not, get with like Dennis Dane. Dennis will do it. Right, here we oh, go. All right. Yeah. So, New name. <laughs> Lori, I publicly apologize for calling you out. However, she berated me at the softball field the other night. I don't think that was right. I need a public apology back from her. So next time she's on. <laughs> But uh, Kurt, man, thanks so much for being. Thanks for being our independent arbitrator. <laughs> but uh, thanks for most so much for coming on and talking about men of valor. And can you just kind of give us an overview of what is men of valor? Yeah. So in a nutshell, we're a prison ministry um, that has morphed through the years. So matter of fact, we're, this year we're celebrating 25 years. We just wow. had an annual breakfast awesome. uh, wow. earlier this month. And I uh, had 1,600 people come to this breakfast uh, as a fundraiser at the Music City Center, so that was exciting. But when we started, so just a little background, um, our founder was a guy named Carl Carlson, and he came to Christ in prison in the 1970s. And he's got an amazing testimony. As a matter of fact, if any listeners want to look it up on our website, um, it's movministry.com. But there's a video in there of our founder, and it was filmed actually just a few days before his passing in 2014. But he tells his story, and it's powerful. But he was orphaned as a young child, started doing time when he was 10 years old, and it's just madness, right? So he just grew up, came up the hard way, discovered drugs in Vietnam and all that kind of stuff. So his brother, who grew up just like he did, came to visit him in prison one time, and it was at the old walls. If any of y'all been out in that area off Centennial Boulevard? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. it looks they, like a castle. They film movies that's there. That's right, yeah. they do. And uh, so that's where he was doing his time. I, he says it was built for 600 men. I think there were 2,000 there when he did his wow. time. I mean, it was oh, wow. madness, right? So his brother, Philip, who grew up just like he did, came to visit him one time when he was incarcerated, and he told him about Jesus. And they'd grown up the same way. And Carl, I remember Carl saying this because I heard him say it a hundred times. He said, I remember pointing back at the walls because they were in the yard, you know. And he said, Philip, there's a lot of stuff back there behind those walls, but God ain't one of them. Wow. And that was it. But he said it planted a seed in his heart that his brother, who had come up just like he did, would talk about a God who Carl didn't even know existed. So long story short, a few months later, some circumstances in the hole, God brought him to his knees and he, he cried out and he said, if you are real, if you are who you say you are and you'll come into my life, I'll serve you the rest of my days. And God did. And Carl did. It's amazing. Wow. wow. <clears throat> so fast forward some years and he started going to visit some guys, just one-on-one in prison mentoring and, uh, it led one thing to another other guys getting involved and mentoring and um, eventually we got into the aftercare piece where you know not just ministering to guys in prison but once they get out which is where the rubber really meets the road and part of what i'm sure we'll get into tonight but anyway that's that's how it all started through one man and uh now we're in every prison in the state of tennessee and growing and it's crazy can I ask you how, how you got involved? Or? Yeah, it's interesting. We were chopping up a little bit about basketball earlier, and I I didn't play for Baylor University, but I played a lot of basketball there and loved it. And when I moved to Nashville in the early 90s, I was playing ball with some guys and just said – and I don't know why. I still can't figure out how this came in my mind, but I thought it would be really fun to go in and play some prison teams, right? If, if I had some good guys playing with me, I didn't want any hotheads going in there. Uh, but anyway, all these guys were believers, great bass, a lot of D1 players, you know. So we went in and we played prison teams for four or five years and shared testimonies at halftime, you know, kind of like the athletes in action model. Speaking of moving being made there's some movies right there yeah, that's right yeah it was fun <laughs> man and uh but anyway so yeah we do testimonies at halftime so i was doing that and then i met carl the founder through the ymca and uh he told me he was fixing to start a prison ministry he shared his story with me and i said man i got a group of guys we'll volunteer you know if you want to do it so that's what happened i volunteered first eight years and then came on staff in 05 and been there ever since Wow. Yeah. I can think of a lot of players or a lot of places I would like to play ball, and prison probably isn't one of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, it was fun. I refereed a uh, uh, game, and it was at the youth 
facility like uh not the men's prison but down the street uh -huh. from that old prison is yeah. now a youth facility and i, I refereed a game in there one time and I, I was an adult but some of those kids i was like oh i'd hate to meet this kid on the street yeah <laughs> most it, of them were pretty good it they, is, had, yeah. they had to be on good behavior to get in all that right. but as long as you have that's, the tumbler, you're good. That's right. That, that and is. it is safer than church league softball. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Yes, it is. Especially with the disgruntled wife. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so what what kind of programs does Men of Valor offer? So if somebody mm -hmm. is in prison, how do you make that connection with them? Yeah. So um inside the prisons, and I'll just tell you current day, because we've it's changed a lot through the years, but right now we are primarily evangelistic going in so we're the first goal is to befriend guys right. um which in some ways is uh very difficult because there's not a lot of trust there for good reason um but in some ways it is easy only because there's not a lot of people going in to right. love on them right yeah. and give them hope yeah. so that's our goal is just to be consistent in going in um, letting them know we really are for them. We're not just trying to get points, you know. Yeah. Are, and, are most guys receptive to that? I yeah, mean, yeah. I would, I, most, I mean, let's just say there are some that that are right, right? and that's that's the key. That's who we're looking for, and uh, and so we develop relationships with them and invite them to grow deeper and deeper as their interest, you know allows so we have small group bible studies we call them d groups discipleship groups mm -hmm. and uh, they'll participate in that and then if they want to go a little deeper we might get them a mentor over there meeting one-on-one -on -one. and if that's all we ever do with a guy fine but our really ultimate end goal because we're a discipleship ministry at the core we want to have these guys come out and live with us when they get out we have a campus here in nashville and houses 93 guys at a time and so we know that's not every guy coming out of prison needs that, but the vast majority need a really good, healthy transitional place. If someone is part of the program while they are still locked up and they're, they're working on, yes, when I get out, I want to move into that transitional house, mm -hmm. continue this program. How is that sign-up – what do they have to commit to get into that house? Yeah, so there's an application process, and we're looking for reasons to take guys, not not to take them. There's a few deal-breakers. We, we're not a mental health facility. So if there's significant mental health issues, we can't do it. Um, and then, unfortunately, where we are right now, we can't house sex offenders because of just the area that's got limitations. But other than that, really, we'll, you know, we're trying to take guys. So they apply, and then we've got a few hoops we want them to jump through just because if you can't do these few things while you're locked up and you have nothing to do 24-7, yeah. you are not going to do it when you get to us. Right. right. And so that's some memory verse work and some journaling, Bible study, just seeing is this guy serious about it. And, uh, and if they do that and they, you know, really express a desire to come, then – We'd love to have them. So we do tell them it's probably going to be the hardest year of your life, which is crazy to guys coming out of prison, right? Oh, yeah. But the reality is they don't have to be there, so they're volunteering, but they're volunteering for a lot of structure, a lot of accountability, curfews, yada, yada, right? So it's it's hard. I mean, you almost want to have some skin in the game, right? And if it's doing the the Bible verses or the memory verses to show that they're – they're serious. Yeah. Then you right. know, you gotta you gotta have some kind of separation. There. That's right. Yeah. Once once they get into y'all's facilities, is there like what's their day to day like what what do they do every day? Like is there a schedule that they have to go by or do y'all yeah. kind of just like, hey, as long as you're going to a job or how does that day to day? Right. Thing That's a go? great question. So and this is a little counterintuitive to guys because they think you know, we got guys come to us who've done 30, 35 years wow. since they've seen daylight. And then you got some that may have done three or four. But either way, the mentality is I've lost a lot of time. I want to hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. But our first 30 days, the guys don't leave campus. They don't work. And we're helping them check all of the reentry boxes, right? So getting a valid ID, 
getting them whatever help they can get, like with food stamps or whatever. They're getting organized with border probation and parole. Um, clothing, of course, you know, just all the basics, um, developing a resume. But then the other thing we're working on is the heart issues right. and the head issues. Because if those aren't addressed, we, we call it the core wounds, right, which mo- most of our guys struggle with addiction in some form or fashion. And something led them to that addiction, and a lot of time it was childhood trauma or an absent father or whatever. Um, so those first 30 days, there's a lot of counseling. Um, it is incredibly gospel-centric. So we're, okay. we want them to understand who they are, their identity as a not a child of God, but certainly a creation of God and with an opportunity to become a child of God. Right. Uh, so it's, it's really heavy the first 30 days. So day 31, then we help every guy get full-time employment Gotcha. and we want them to have meaningful, hopefully employment with upward mobility and, you know, not necessarily flipping burgers kind of deal. Yeah. And so they, it's broken up into four quarters and each quarter they focus on a different aspect of uh, life or manhood and uh, they're matched with a mentor, and they go to different churches to visit. And it's it's really uh, just teaching them and modeling for them what real life looks like. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And you say that's a year-long program once they come out? That's the goal. They don't have to stay there a year, but to become a graduate, you have to be there a full year. And while they are in the the – is it called the transitional house or what? Like we call it Valor Ridge. Valor Ridge. Mm-hmm. So while while they are at Valor Ridge, are they paying rent? Is it cost free or or what kind of? Uh, we know you try and get them a job, get them employment. Right. Are they spending that money or are they banking it? How does that yeah. work? Yeah. So you mentioned skin in the game. So there is an application fee, or it's really an admissions fee. You don't have to pay to apply. But if you're coming, you pay $250 up front. And then you don't pay anything the first 30 days because uh, you're not working. Right. And then day 31, once you start working, you get your first paycheck. It's 175 a week. And so that covers uh, housing, utilities, transportation to and from work. Um, all the paper goods and that kind of stuff in the house. So most of our guys, I think the minimum they start at is $14 an hour. A lot of them are making 18 to 20. And so it's a, if guys do it well, and one of our classes is financial classes, budgeting and that kind of stuff. We got a lot of guys who they're that pay off their fines. They get out of debt. They're paying cash for cars. So, there's got they got a skin in the game, right? I mean, you're not going to live anywhere in Nashville for seven hundred dollars a month when you're gone, but unless you get a roommate or two, which or three or three, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but it's set up. We want to move them toward independent living. So, so after after a year is it, and they graduate, do you have people that come back and are mentors to other guys, or are there a way for them to still stay plugged in? Yes. So we've got an alumni program, and we have a graduate program. So if guys want to stay on campus longer, they can stay as like a house manager um, or a shepherd in, in some cases. or Some guys have come back as mentors, which is awesome. I mean, those are best-case scenarios. And half of our staff are guys that have come through our program. Wow. So It seems like it would be easier to talk to them and relate if they've walked in those it's, shoes. It, yeah. it makes a difference for yeah. sure. You, yeah. that, you don't have to have that to qualify. I don't have an incarceration background, um, but I feel like I've had an impact, you know, in 25 years. But there is something different about a guy who's done time or came up the hard way or has come out of addiction. So, yeah, we, yeah. we look for people with, with that kind of experience. Well, we all justify that in everything we do, whether it's – a certain education level as you know you played d1 basketball i played you know junior college and you know there we have a rating system hmm. to, to right. ev- even as christians yeah. we have a rating system for sin yeah you know well this true. this crime you do a year this crime you do 30 years right but you know god tells us sin is sin it's all right. the same right. but yeah it's it's 
it's that all, that instant bond of okay, he knows he's been the places I've been. Mm-hmm. Same to be same said level. For like, oh, I know how you're feeling, but if you know how I'm feeling and you've done my what I've went through, right. it, it holds a little bit more weight. Yeah, it so, does for yeah. sure. As guys come out, uh, or as they graduate, I should say, and they have these jobs, do they keep those jobs? Is that something that follows them, or is that just while they are at Valor Ridge, they have those jobs? Yeah, so our hope, obviously, and the employer's hope, is if, if we get a guy in a good job where he's doing well, excelling, and enjoying it, that he'll stay. And we've got guys that have been in their jobs for years. Sometimes the job that we may find a guy initially is not something he's just passionate about doing the rest of his life. So some guys will go to school. You know, TCAT, we've got a great partnership with Tennessee College of Applied Technology. Some of our guys are going to school there now, learning trades. And um, so we're just, we're trying to help a guy find his way, right? you know, right. that fits him. Yeah. Can I ask about the relationships you have with the employers? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you obviously tell them what kind of candidates you're going to be bringing to them so that you have to have buy-in from from the employer. Yes. And is that difficult to let people know, hey, everybody we send you has been incarcerated, and are you okay with that? I mean, is that a is that hard to do? Right. So it's interesting how how it's kind of changed through the years because we used to go cold calling, mm-hmm. right, looking for employers. Mm-hmm. Now, because of our track record and – the reputation of our ministry, we've got employers calling literally every week. And, of course, in today's environment, too, everybody's shorthanded looking for good employees. Right. It's not hard. And so there's some real – so there's tax advantages to hiring somebody who's got a felony record. And then there's other advantages, too. So we take and pick up all of our guys from work. So wow. the employer knows they're going to be, be there, there on time, <laughs> right? They're going to be right. picked up, and we're ahead of the game. So if you're hiring somebody off the street that you don't know, you don't know them. Right. You don't know what's going on after hours. But in our case, they know these guys are living in community. They're being drug tested. They're in Bible study. They're, you know, I mean, they're held to a standard. Right. So long before they're typically going to fail at work, we're in communication with their Employer. employer just saying hey just so you know you know so it, it's a it's really a win-win wow yeah wow. that's great so you, how to, you hiring no i'm not hiring <laughs> but i'm thinking through like the logistics of that mm-hmm. of like if you've got 93 guys out of the out of those 93 how many employees are we or employers are we talking like you were y'all running a bus route to <laughs> some yeah we've got uh between, probably between 15 and 20 active employers right now wow. and so it's nice to have a 15 passenger van just going to one place. <laughs> right. right. And we've yeah. got some of that. Wow. That's, that's impressive to, to think about that. You got 93 guys and all employed at 15 different locations. And I'm sure the hours vary. And, and that's another thing where there's got to be buy-in from an employer is our guys have to be back on campus by five o'clock. Okay. That's because tough. we, because we have evening programming. Right. Yeah. So there's only certain employers that can, accommodate that which is okay right yeah uh but yeah most of our guys are up i mean our ca- campus is active at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning because they're <laughs> headed out to work quick and they're back early and to bed yeah. early and that's that's a routine though because like yeah, you said if you, if you just got out and the world is open to you and you didn't have any boundaries oh my i can see how you could get off the rails oh yeah so and the, what people forget to – well, not forget necessarily, but a lot of people just don't know. In, in prison, you're not making choices. Right. I mean, you're on a dictated schedule. You eat what's put in front of you. And, you know, it's, it's – the coming out of incarceration and having an expectation to just be able to do life is – it's ridiculous. So I'll, I'll give you all some statistics just because this is this is where it's crazy. This is where I think I really got passionate about this need. Um, so there's a, there's about two and a half million Americans incarcerated. Do you have any idea what percentage of them will get out? Ninety eight. Yeah, ninety eight percent. So I would not have guessed. I was going to guess. I would not have guessed that high. Yeah. Wow. So think about that. We, my tendency always, and I don't watch the news anymore, but when I did, you'd see somebody get busted and you're like, hallelujah, we don't have to worry about them anymore, right? <laughs> right. Well, but that's not back. true. That's right. 
And not only are they coming back, but they're going to be coming out of a evil place. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't come out of prison better than you go in unless there's something really dynamic happening and it's rare. So that's why that's another reason we have a presence in prison because mm-hmm. we feel like there's a short window of opportunity to help these guys become something that they weren't when they went in. Right. Can, I, can I ask about that yeah. before you go on? Um, is it, I think about Upward and how hard it is for us to get into schools be, to be a Christian organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Upward is a, uh, it, it's a Christ-focused basketball league that we are a part of. Uh, Lance Ackridge, who was our guest last week, his star's basketball broke off from Upward. But if you don't know, Upward is a Christ-focused sports league. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just didn't know with how hard it is for us to get into schools in today's environment how hard is it for you guys to get into prisons knowing that it's a faith-based organization? Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, prisons are not easy to get into, yeah. unfortunately. Um, just the the hoops you have to jump through to get volunteer access and a badge and all that. It's like by the time you get through all that, most people are ready to volunteer somewhere, somewhere else. else. Yeah. <laughs> but there is movement to improve that, which would be great. Because uh, the, the need is there. I mean, you talk about a field that's ripe for harvest. I mean, and the laborers are few, right? It's to quote the rest of it. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so that's one one statistic that's interesting. Another one is so recidivism is a big term used in the world of prison. So if a guy gets out of prison and he goes back to prison within three years, he has recidivated. So. 2.5 million Americans, 98% of them are getting out. The recidivism rate in our nation is 70%. Seven out of 10 people who get out of prison are going back within three years. So that means wow. more victims. I mean, it's it's madness, right? Right. But when you look at how we've structured reentry, it's been virtually impossible for guys to overcome a felony conviction. So there's a lot trying to change that. And with all this being said, we are not soft on crime. I mean, we're really victim advocates in the grand scheme of things. But we feel like we've got a responsibility that if a guy is is paying and has paid for his crime, we've got an obligation, particularly as the body of Christ, but just as society in general, to help restore them to civil living. Yeah. Right? But I, I'm a big numbers and stats guy. So if people come through your program, yeah, and if seventy percent of the of the ninety eight that get out go back, what are the stats that come through your program that they don't go back? Yeah. So I'll answer that starting with the best and going backwards. <laughs> so if a guy finishes our year program, we have a right now it's twelve percent. It's it's been less than fifteen percent recidivism for as long as I've been with the ministry. So if from seventy percent national average yes. to twelve percent yes, for you. That's right. Now if they finish a year. If they finish six months, it's twenty two percent. Okay. If they finish ninety days or three months, it's thirty two percent. So even I mean, that's what's crazy, right? We're cutting it in less than half, just getting 90 days with a guy to love him, to give him some hope, to give him just a few of the basic necessities that don't. I was going to say that first 30 days probably makes a world of difference. Oh, my gosh. That's huge. And just getting some boundaries in place. Yes. What's that worth? Yeah, right. Apparently it's worth 50% of not going back. (laughs) Right, right. Wow. So that's the thing. You don't have to have a, you know – one-year re-entry program. I mean, the church could do incredible work just doing some basic stuff. So, but it's but it's hard, and that's the other piece of this is, like I mentioned, addiction earlier. I mean, it is spiritual warfare on steroids. It really is. And so, you know, we see, a lot, by the world standards, we see a lot of failure, more failure than we see success. I know there's some guys at the church that do some prison ministry or did pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably the only thing that we have comparable as a church would be Room in the Inn. Yeah. And Room in the Inn's a ministry to where, you know, we take in 12 homeless guys from the shelter, go get them, bring them in here for a meal, clothes, and then get them back so they can go back to work. And 
you think about the impact that you have for one night and you guys are doing it for 30 days, 60 days, a year. Um, That's something that you can't put a dollar value on because if you just threw them to the streets, I mean, statistics say they're going back and that's, that's tough. And so it's, it's definitely a need. Yeah. And then all the carnage that comes with going back, right? Not just the expense, but the victims. And that's where it's just crazy. Right. Yeah. What about the living conditions at Valor Ridge? Are they staying in like a, a open dorm room with ten other guys, or do they have individual rooms? Or, or I mean, they're used to being in confined spaces with multiple people right. coming out of prison. But what are they coming to at Valor Ridge? Good. So, one thing before I get into the specifics, one thing we have been very um, diligent about in building this campus was. We talk to these guys about their value and their dignity and God's plans for them. And so from the time they pull onto our property, we want them to feel valued and loved. And I don't know if any of y'all have ever been in a halfway house before, but it is typically rough, mm-hmm. right? So we, we call it Valor Ridge. It's 22 acres up on a hill in Antioch. It's beautiful. The, the landscaping, everything is just gorgeous. And so when a guy first gets there, he lives, we call it community housing. So we have four duplexes that each house 15 guys, but it's seven upstairs and eight downstairs. It's two guys to a room. Every room has their own refrigerator, but it's beautiful. I mean, it's, and we opened it in 2018, so it's still fairly new. But we've already had, you know, over 400 guys live there. Wow. And uh, anyway, I mean, it, it, it truly is. Like when my wife walked in the first time, she goes, oh, my gosh, like, can we live here? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's nice. Yeah. But that was done intentionally. Right. So when they're, when they're first six months, they're living in that community housing. There's a house manager in every uh, duplex. And then after six months, if they've done well, they have to qualify for this. But then they move to what we call townhomes, or it's basically a two-bedroom apartment. And so it's two guys to a room still, but there's only four guys in the whole house. And, uh, and so we've got 33 beds there. So, and there's no house managers. There's a later curfew. They can have a car at that point. So it's kind of, you know, you're... Stair-stepping. That's right. Stages. That's yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Wow. Um, as far as, as far as people, we talked about, you know, them graduating and, and eventually moving on with their lives and everything, but do you have any programs or anything for those people that are no longer at your facilities as far as like, whether it's on a, like something on your website or that kind of thing? Yeah. So we, the first Tuesday night of every month, we have a graduation ceremony okay. and it's a worship service and a dinner and all that. So our alumni are always invited to come back to that just to reconnect. And of course, they're a great inspiration yeah. to our other guys. And then we have uh, discipleship groups on campus every Thursday night that we have some alumni come back to. Some help co-facilitate those and others just attend uh, Gotcha. Um, so, but that is an area where I feel like there's a lot of room for improvement for us. Gotcha. And we're in a capital campaign right now to build a ministry center. So we don't have like a hub out there yet. We've got five or six portables that serve as our classrooms and office spaces, but we've got plans to build a big ministry center that'll basically be our worship space and offices and classrooms. And so once we have, and eventually a gym too, but once we have that, I feel like it will be a place where guys will just come hang. Nice. Should be good. Kind of backing up a little bit, when you go into the prisons, are you dealing with death row inmates? I mean, most they are not coming out, right? right. They, they have a life sentence. But are you, what's the difference in when you're inside the prison? Can you interact with them? Is it totally separate? Are you just focused on guys that will be released mm. one day? Yeah, so we actually do have a death row ministry. As a matter of fact, Rudy Kalis, I know, was, was on here, and he's involved in that. And so, yeah, it's not all about just guys that are going to come out to aftercare. Um, I say all the time, this is eternal work, There you go. right? Not yeah, yeah. temporary, and every soul matters. Whether they're going to live in the free world or not, they're going mm-hmm. to spend an eternity one of two places. That's right. Um, so... Yeah, we don't prohibit guys from participating with us for anything inside, whether they're doing six months or 60 years or 
on death row. So when, when you're in the prisons, do you have, do y'all go out on certain nights? Uh, do you have like a time constraint of a couple hours or like what, what's, what's the ministry look like inside? Mm-hmm. So every facility is a little different. Um, we have some classes during the day, during the week, and then some of our volunteer led classes where, you know, guys that work full time go in on evenings to lead small discipleship groups. Uh, a lot of times on weekends, we'll do concerts or bring in like a big kind of evangelistic deal um, that w- might draw some people that wouldn't go to a chapel service or be part of a Bible study, but they'll come to a big event, you know, or <laughs> right, celebration. Yeah. So we're trying to just connect with people however we can do it. Okay. For children uh, or inmates that have children, is there any kind of reconnection process that goes on with that, or do they kind of have to go through the the program and then kind of go back to their families? Mm -hmm. So it's both and. We used to have a pretty significant family and children's ministry, and it's a ministry in and of itself, and it was really kind of taking us away from our core mission of winning men in prison of Jesus Christ and discipling them. So our, our real goal is to train and equip men to be the fathers and husbands in their homes when they go back. Uh, But while we're working with men, particularly when they come to Valley Ridge, they're living with us, we are sending basically discipleship material age-appropriate to their kids and to the significant women in their lives, if it's a girlfriend or wife or, you know, whatever. Um just so they know too, hey, you're loved. Uh, there's people praying for you. Uh, there's some pen pal stuff. We try to do stuff for kids' birthdays and, of course, big Christmas stuff. And two or three times a year, we'll have an event where our fathers will, can invite their kids, like for a fishing day or a picnic day or back to school day. Uh, so there is. We're we're working toward reconciliation with our guys. Unfortunately, it's not always appropriate. Yeah. Um, so it's a little case by case, but we want these guys to be engaged with their kids for sure. Speaking of stats, I stole this one off your website. All right. But on the website, it said that one out of every nine children in Tennessee had a parent that was incarcerated in 2018. Is that not amazing? That blew my mind yeah. when I read it. So, one out of every well, nine. Yeah, kids. I will. I believe it's one out of ten, right? And I looked that up just recently, and it's it's. But that's right. One out of ten kids in the state of Tennessee have had or have a parent who's incarcerated. Well, and I, I looked at it to drill down on that one. That seventy percent of children who have a parent in prison are likely to be incarcerated. Yeah, and I thought about seventy percent. I mean that that's. It's the number one indicator of a kid going to prison is a parent who's been incarcerated. And then when you go one out, I mean, one out of every 10 kids in the state, I mean, it's crazy. I, I mean, I almost, I, I couldn't fathom that as being real. I yeah. was like, just take the kids that I know, right, in my life. How many of those, you know, hundreds of kids have someone that I know that's been incarcerated? Is none. None. You, you know, so it, we really live in bubbles. Yeah. I mean, by and oh, when yeah. we step back to look at the needs of the community, you know, you you can be open to a harsh reality. Your eyes can be open to a harsh mm-hmm. reality in a hurry. Yeah. That was a huge number. Yeah. And that's where we know the generational impact of what we do is huge. Because if we can get a guy healthy who does that. Most of our guys have kids, you know, their fathers, and they can help break that cycle. Yeah. That's crazy. That's exciting. It's the saying of, you know, you're a product of your environment, right? And mm-hmm. when you see those big numbers like that, we really do live in a bubble. I mean, when you think about it, because, uh, man, 7 out of 10, that, that's a big number. It's a big number. Yeah. If you happen to see Ryan making strange faces, if you're watching on YouTube, his daughter is just off camera running amok. Yeah, Yeah, I about just took my headphones off and said, time out, guys. I'm going after them. They're cute. finally got eye stare on them, and they were, like, gone. Yeah. That's good stuff. You got another one that will be here in a couple months. Stop it. uh, I know it is, yeah. Congratulations. Due in September. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah. It hasn't hit reality yet, but okay. 
You're outnumbered now. You wait till another little girl enters your room. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, next subject. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you ever have guys that want to come back in, or do you allow them to come back into, like, your program, or do they have to come from being incarcerated? Okay, so, like, you mean if a guy's been with us yeah. and then he leaves for whatever reason and wants to come back? Whether, or or whether graduated. Whether that, or whether, yeah, whether he okay. left on his own or he graduated and left before getting to that point where he's like, hey, I think I'm going to, you know, I'm, oh, I don't want yeah. to get to that point again. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we, and that's what's really cool, too, is, of course, we have a lot of guys that leave for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Not all good. Um. But it's amazing how many of those guys, even if they left angry or relapsed or whatever, and just you know, when they when the when they need somebody, mm-hmm. they know who Where to, to call. They yeah. yeah, and and that's one of the things our guys across the board say is I've never been loved like I've been loved at Valor Ridge, you know, the yeah. men of Valor. And that they trust us, which is really cool. Yeah. So, because those are two things that are very foreign to a lot of the men we work with. I bet. I bet. What about parole violations? Kind of playing off that same thing. If someone's at Valor Ridge, they're going through the program. All of these guys are on parole, correct? Not all of them, but most of them are. Some kind of paper. Yep. And so we've got a great relationship with the Board of Probation and Parole. And our guys, when they sign the contract to live there, they know that if, if they violate any parole requirements while, we're, while they're there, we're calling their PO. And so uh, – And what a huge accountability, right? Oh, it's great. Yeah. And the other thing is the POs love us. Right, I mean, we're in all the work. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we are. We're a great extension. Of I know them. exactly where he's going to be <laughs> at what right. time. <laughs> it really is. It's great, and uh, and they're very encouraging to our guys to just say, "Listen, if you're really trying to do something different with your life, there's no better place to be." So we've got a great, great relationship. Yeah. I, I was interested in hearing, you know, out of out of the years that you've been doing this, what are some of the success stories that you could share, you know, that, you know, they made something of their life and this is where they're at today, or I'm sure you've got lots of horror stories to go along with that too, but I was interested to see if you had any on your mind yeah. success stories. Yeah. Well, I've got a lot of both. <laughs> um, a couple that stand out, I'll, I'll give you just one great scenario and then a, a real success story too. Um, just talking about the the need to walk alongside people. I remember the first time one of the one of the most fun things we get to do is when a guy's released and he's been accepted to our program is to pick him up at the gates of the prison. I mean, he's getting out after however many years and we're picking him up and taking him to a place where there's going to be hope and love and all those things. So I remember the first time I did that, and I took it when we take it. So when we pick him up, we take him out for a great meal, his choice, whatever he wants, and that's where we just kind of start the you know getting to know you process. That's a culture shock, I can imagine. Oh my gosh, looking at a menu, I don't have to be told. I've I've had (laughs) so many guys say to me, "Will you just order for me?" Wow. I mean, it, yeah, because wow. they don't even know. Yeah, don't take them to Cheesecake Factory. There's <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, it's funny because he, they're just things we don't take, you know, we take for granted. And I, I remember one guy, said, we were sitting at Longhorn Steakhouse, and he had finally decided he was going to get a steak, right? And so he ordered it. And then she asked, well, how do you want that cooked? So he had to make a decision. And then she said, well, do you want the potato? You know, and he go, well, I guess I'll do this. But what do you want on the potato? <laughs> I mean, he hadn't made a choice. And now he's got to decide sour cream, butter, chives, <laughs> bacon. I mean, it's like it's overwhelming, yeah. right? I mean, we laugh, right. but but yeah. it is paralyzing to guys. So yeah. that was this story was I was standing in a grocery store. We take a guy grocery shopping, 75 bucks just to get him stuff, you know, to start. And we were walking down the cereal aisle because I was kind of doing it meal by meal. And he stood there looking. You can picture a cereal aisle. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't move. He couldn't talk. And this is legit. And I thought, my thought was, okay, had I given this guy 75 bucks coming out of prison and dropped him at a grocery store and said, hey, go in and get whatever you want, right? But I didn't go with him. Not that he wanted to go get high, but 
if he walked in that store, he would do an about face and he would go medicate because it's too much. Yeah. It's overwhelming. And so you think about that of like what we take for granted, walk in the store and, oh, we like the variety. We like the selection. But for somebody that hasn't had that, right? Oh, my gosh. I can see where it would Oh, and to have to make choices and then think about cash versus using a card. I mean, a lot of our guys never have had a card. They've never had a cell phone that's touch screen or, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, so, but a success story. Um, there was a guy that went through our inside the prison program three times, got out, relapsed, came back, did the year, got out, relapsed, anyway. And I knew the whole time he didn't know, right? And we all just believed in him that he, God had a plan for his life. We stuck with him, kept pouring into him. But those were three failures, right, by the world standards. Well, today he's been on staff with us for 11 years. We're opening a new reentry campus in Knoxville uh, this summer, and he and his wife just moved down there about six months ago, and he's going to be the program manager over that facility. Awesome. And he's going to be supervising two guy, two other guys that have come out of prison that are, you know. So it's like. If somebody would have given up on him. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's just fun, you know. And so God has done an amazing work in his life. And there are hundreds of stories like that. It's really cool. And not all of them go back into ministry, but some of them are just out. They've started their own business and they're doing great, you know, and they're given to the ministry or coming back and pouring into men. So God is in the redeeming business. Absolutely. uh, And he loves to beat the odds. (laughs) And we've got really sorry odds with the people (laughs) that we work with, you know, but God shows up. So that's really cool. The guys that have been locked up for a long time, you take them shopping. Do they have a concept of price uh, of things? Are you kind of walking them through that, you know? If they've been there for 20 years, a box oh. of cereal costs $5 or more today. <laughs> right. I mean, are, no are they just totally lost? Yes. I was going to say, just yeah. looking at the last year from like the price of groceries going from, you know, what used to be $100 now, $150. I can't imagine if you've been locked up and, hey, when I went in here, gas was a dollar a gallon and now it's four. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> so. Right. I mean, there's all that kind of stuff and it's in every facet of life. Yeah. Because they do have like commissary privileges or something if they're on good mm-hmm. behavior. I didn't know if those prices mirrored outside prices maybe or, or if it's subsidized. It's, or. it's probably higher in prison on the commissary costs, you know, but uh, but they don't have that many choices. Right, yeah. right. You talked about um, having a, a second campus now in Knoxville. Are, are you kind of – same but separate. You'll run independently. Do work together. You split the state. How's that going to work now with a, a second campus? Yeah. Or so do you know yet? Um, it's in the process, but yeah. we feel like they will be. I mean, we definitely want the same culture in Knoxville that we have in Nashville. Uh, it's a little bit different. It's a um, actually a historic hotel there that a guy motel that a guy bought and has refurbished. Um, a guy, interestingly enough, who came out of prison and built an unbelievable business and sold it for $40 million or something. But uh, matter of fact, he got, it's a guy named Josh Smith. He's worth looking up online. He's got an amazing story. Fourth Purpose Foundation he started. Anyway, when he got this uh, motel done, he invited Men of Valor to come because he was familiar with us to come down and run it for him. So it'll house 30 guys and it'll be two guys to a room. And so, uh, it will be it'll be a standalone, but it'll be men of valor, um, and so we'll share resources and all that. Wow. And the nice thing too is, you know, when guys get out of prison now, they'll have a choice. So for a lot of guys, it helps them tremendously to be away from where they grew up in the yeah. streets. You know, I mean, we got guys that come live with us who did all their mess in Antioch. Yeah. Well, that's not good. Yeah. You know, but if that if we get those guys in the future, we can say, hey. Go spend a year in Valor Way, right, in Knoxville, and then uh, let's get your life together, and maybe you'll be ready to come back. 
And you talked about a little bit about the new campus. How do, how does the primary way people find out about you to raise funds, or do y'all do you know special dinners to get donations, or like how do, how do y'all growing at the at the pace that y'all are right now? Yeah, boy, it's it's crazy, really. Um, so we used to never take any government funding at all with our former fa- our founder. <clears throat> and our new executive director has been very active politically and all that, and he just always said, we're paying taxes, and it's going to somebody. Right? They're, po- they're giving a lot of money away, and we know what we're doing with it. So as long as it doesn't prohibit us from doing what we do and the way we do it, then let's utilize it. So we've got up to 25% of our budget right now can be government funding. And Bill Lee is a huge advocate. He's been a mentor with Men of Valor for years, has, been involved, has hired our guys. And so he's, he was on our board for a while. He's a great friend. So For those that don't know, that's the governor of Tennessee. Yeah, Governor Bill Lee. And uh, so he's been a, a help in some of that area. But some foundations, um, foundations are getting more and more uh, liberal, for lack of a better word, just a little they just don't buy into the faith-based stuff as much. But we get some church support. We're in some church budgets. But mo- the vast majority is individuals who just believe in what we're doing and want to help support it. An individual donation, or do you do fundraisers? Um, like an ongoing fundraiser yearly? Both. Or? So we have an annual breakfast uh, at the Music City Center, which yeah. I just had earlier this month. And then a couple other smaller things through the year. We try not to do too much, you know. Right. Um, but people are aware of the need, and it's it's always a blessing when people kind of do a monthly contribution, ongoing thing, so support. But we're just uh, trying to be good stewards, and as God provides, we'll grow, and otherwise we'll maintain. Do the guys going through the program kind of self-police when somebody new comes into the house or what and – whether it's a parole violation or they bring in drugs or something back into the house or whatever the case may be, or or do they kind of self-police so they don't mess up a good thing that's going for them? So in a perfect world, yes. And it's funny how it kind of ebbs and flows, but we've always said when we can keep a positive peer culture there, like there's more pressure to do the right thing than to do the wrong thing. And they do self-police. I was having that conversation with some guys today. It's awesome. Because uh, they're better with accountability with each other than you know the staff having to handle it or come down. But we have drugs on the campus from time to time, and we'll have guys fail drug tests or bring alcohol on campus, and uh, it's just part of the nature of the work, you know. Yeah. And it's it's contagious. That's the problem: is one guy who decides he's going to get high and brings it on campus. It's it's dominoes sometimes, and that's what's sad. You know, as far as the y'all have like a three strike policy or, you know, kicking guys out, like, is there something that people can do to get removed from the program? Yes. Okay. And the easiest way to answer that is if they break the contract that they signed. Right. So we're not kicking them out. Unfortunately, you've chosen not to be here because you didn't do what you said you're going to do. But it's very case by case. And. Again, we we want guys to be there. We want them to succeed, and we know that not being there is very, very dangerous. But a guy that's cancerous, it's just we can't do it. We can't, can't say risk the we can't. That's right. Yeah. So makes sense. But that's heartbreaking. Obviously, financial donations, whether individuals or through the breakfast every year or the other things you do what other ways can people help or volunteer what are the maybe some needs that you all have yeah so ongoing needs particularly for men is we need mentors all so we try to match every one of our guys with a mentor uh that's a guy like just you or me that says hey i'll spend an hour in a week you know just hanging with this guy walking with him and helping him do life and is that on the campus or off campus? Both and. Yep. They can come there. And once a guy gets a car, they may meet somewhere. Or, you know, a lot of our mentors will come pick them up, go grab a cup of coffee or a meal or something, or go to a ball game. Um, and uh, so that's an ongoing need. 
we have a lot of classes that are taught on campus, so people that are passionate about finance or you know teaching the Bible or that kind of stuff, we have that. Our discipleship groups, which is kind of a walk through and journal through the Bible, uh, every one of our guys on campus, and that's a big part of what we do in prison, and we love to have those be volunteer-led for people to enjoy that, just the small group setting. Um, and I will say our, our mentors and volunteers just always say, which doesn't surprise you, they get more out of it than they ever give. I mean, it's just, it's a, because we see God at work. I mean, these right. are people that know they have a need for God. Yeah. Um, and then on the, like for women in particular and, and or co-ed, uh, serving the families, ministering to families or like just events on campus. Uh, we've got churches that'll come out and bring a meal for our graduation or lead worship or, you know, so we love to expose churches to our ministry because it helps give them a little bit better sense of like if a guy moves to Goodlettsville and looking for a church and y'all are familiar with men of valor and valor Ridge, you're like, Hey, this guy came out of Valor Ridge. We'd love to have him, you know, versus him just popping in here out of prison. Right. Might make you a little nervous. Right. (laughs) Speaking of women, I mean, it, is is that an issue bringing women on campus for, you know, it, it's a men's ministry. The you know it's all men living together. How do you try and reintegrate, if that's the right word, women into their daily lives? Yeah, good question. And that's that's another area where I feel like we could be stronger, but it's a really fine line. Of course, yeah. Um, we actually hired our first frontline staff woman this past year but she has 22 years in corrections she gets it right (laughs) yeah um and she's she's still got the mom thing which is beautiful but she ain't taking (laughs) right she ain't going there and i love that um but Otherwise, we wouldn't have just women hanging out on campus, but we do love couples coming to campus and them seeing healthy marriages and how husband, men and women interact healthy ways, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, we definitely want them there, but not coming in to watch ball games with the guys. <laughs> yeah. Stay out of the day room. That's right. <laughs> One thing I I do love to mention, just our philosophy of ministry, uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.8, Paul said, uh, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. And that's really the heart of our ministry. We call it relational discipleship. Um, We're not beating guys over the head with the Bible. We want them to know that Jesus loves them. He forgives them. He understands their pain and their trauma and their addiction. And he wants to deliver them from it. But it's it's not going to be one and done. Like he's going to be delivering you the rest of your life, right? Just like he is me. I'm on this journey with you. And uh, I think that's why people who have got gotten involved with us love being involved because nobody arrives yeah you know there's the freedom to just be messy because we are when we're honest um and so it's just my favorite verse just because of how it relates to my life is galatians 5 1 it says it is for freedom that christ has set us free so do not be bound again by a yoke of slavery. So think about that. Wow. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So my bondage for my whole life was performance. It was people's opinions of me. It was my own righteousness, which is, I mean, <laughs> gag me, right? But it was a yoke of slavery. Yeah. And when God set me free from that, I am free indeed. I promise I am living free, but I'm still uh, intoxicated by that approval right. and people's opinion. So I fight it. I'm on this journey of being set free every day, but I'm free. Right. And so that's what we're trying to lead these guys into is just the taste of freedom that you can live in the rest of your life. You're going to have to fight for it, but it's yours to have. That's why Jesus came. 
menofvalor.org. That's men-of-valor.org. And that's a terrible website, so I'm going to give you an easier oh, one. Oh, man, let's go with another one. Here we go. <laughs> movministry.com. Movministry.com. Isn't that better? It is much better. Yeah. It rolls off the tongue. I know. <laughs> movministry.com, and it'll take you to that crazy one. So there you go. You got two options there. <laughs> Uh, they are on Instagram. They are Men of Valor on Facebook, Men of Valor Ministry on Facebook as well. If you get confused, put it in the search bar. That's, That's our right. go-to. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you get the website, Instagram, Facebook. Check them out. Get involved. It's a great um, thing that's changing individual lives but changing generations as well, breaking mm. chains, breaking bonds. Kurt, thank you so much for coming yeah. and sharing and telling the story of men of valor and uh, um, I'm inspired I, I'm, yeah. man great just great thank you cool. so much for thank coming. you yeah. you bet yeah. Ryan send us home buddy alright one of the main things that I was kind of taking off of this was that just you give these men second chances mm-hmm. third chances if they come back you know four chances whatever the case would be but you're continuously there so um, with just that whole aspect of just giving these people second chances in life. I was reading First uh, John 1, 9. Mm. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So. Love it. That's one of our guys' memory verses. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Well, Kurt, thanks again. We we are so glad that you came. We hope that you all enjoyed this, that you will reach out and at the very least be praying for Men of Valor, the, the guys in the program. But there is so much more you can do if you are also inspired. And uh, Lori, you, you won. <laughs> you won. Congratulations. That's fun. Yeah. Kurt, thanks so much. Thank, thank you all for listening. We will see you again next week right here on GPS to God. Thanks to all our gypsies. <laughs> I love that. That's a great name. It really is. Oh, we're going to have to leave that in. We hope you are enjoying GPS to God. Rate, review, and subscribe across every platform you use. Help us spread the word by telling your friends and family to watch, listen, and subscribe.